Thanks for being here this morning. If you have a, a Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 6 or look it up on your phone. But Ephesians chapter 6, we've been going through the series on the armor of God for the last um, couple months. And actually today we are kind of wrapping up the series. Um, but Ephesians chapter 6, I'm just going to read uh, Ephesians 6, 10 through 20 this morning. Ephesians chapter 6. Verses 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thanks for your word this morning. Lord, thanks for the encouragement of being able to gather together again at the beginning of a week. Lord, thanks that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that you want to hear from us. You've given us the gift of prayer. So, Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just remove every distraction this morning, open up our hearts, open up our minds, that you would teach us, that you would encourage us through your words. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Martin Luther, the great reformer from 500 years ago, said this, As it is the business of tailors to make clothes and the business of cobblers to mend shoes, so it is the business of Christians to pray. And in Ephesians chapter 6, as Paul is giving out Here's how to stand. Here is how to move forward. Here's how to not stumble spiritually. Here's how to persevere all the way to the end. He wraps it up by saying, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer. This is not for super spiritual people. This is for ordinary saints, ordinary 
people. This is most of the Bible. The most of the Bible is all about people who are ordinary in their life praying. You look at the Psalms. Most of the Psalms of David are not Psalms when he was this great king. He was this ordinary guy struggling with being a shepherd, struggling with being family issues. He's just struggling, struggling, and he's pouring out his heart in prayer. Nehemiah was just a guy doing a job, and he heard that problems happened in Jerusalem. God didn't call him. Nobody called him. He, he saw the need, and he said, I'm going to go back over there, and I'm going to help build the temple, and he prayed as he did it. Prayer is not a super saint thing. Prayer is just what ordinary cobblers, carpenters, teachers, office workers, moms, dads, students are called to do as Christians. And he wrote in Ephesians chapter 6, praying at all times because he wanted to prepare these people who had spent much of their life in Ephesus dealing with magic. They loved magic in Ephesus. In Acts chapter 19, when they became Christians, it said they took all their magic occult stuff where they thought they got all their power and they threw all of it away and had a huge bonfire. These are the Christians. These are the ordinary saints that Paul is writing to, people who had, who had filled their life with power and magic to try to get through life and then realized that the gospel was the answer and were given the gift of prayer. And he wraps up the armor of God by prayer, but prayer is not another piece of the armor. Grammatically, prayer is what connects all the pieces together. It's connected with the idea of standing and standing firm. So when we think of the armor, which is truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, the Word of God, the way this is written, Paul is saying, with all these pieces, we're not adding another weapon of prayer, but with the armor of God to stand, to, to be alert, to persevere, you, you put them on, you, you use them while praying. You, you, you pray while you take the belt of truth. You pray while you put on the breastplate of righteousness. You pray as you have your feet shod with the gospel of peace. You pray as you take the shield. You pray as you put on the helmet of salvation. And you pray as you use the word of God. Jesus said in Luke 18, saying men ought always to pray and not lose heart. But the reality is, if we're honest, praying is hard, isn't it? It's hard to pray. Andrew Randall gave good examples of this. He said praying is hard. We all know we probably should pray for Christians. Clearly, it says pray a bunch of times here, all the time, over and over again. But the reality is pray, praying and prayer is hard, and we're not the only ones that do struggle or thought it was hard. Paul the Apostle, in Romans 15, 30, he said this, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. Which means, if you pictured the Apostle Paul as this guy who woke up in the morning, jumped out of bed, and just couldn't wait to sit and pray and just, and just and loved every minute of it, that's not how he even described his prayer life. He says, I'm asking other people, you, strive with me that we may pray. Strive together with me in prayer. The word strive that is used there is the, just the idea of agony or like a marathon runner striving. Paul's saying, prayer's hard for me too. So I'm asking you to strive together with me in prayer to God the Father. Prayer's hard. 
It's hard because it doesn't naturally come to us. Our, our natural selfish desires is to fix things and do things on our own, not to ask or be dependent on God for help. It's, it's hard because it doesn't come natural to us to pray to God. Prayer is hard because it's also central to our spiritual growth. It, this is what Ephesians 6, he, he says this is not another aspect of armor. Prayer is a part of how all the armor functions. It's what propels everything. And so prayer is hard because it's central to our spiritual growth. It's war when you pray. It's a striving. It's a struggle. That's why prayer is hard. And prayer is hard because prayer is unbelievably precious. If you've ever had a prayer answered, you, you know how precious it is. It, prayer is hard because it's precious. It, it's like gold. Gold's precious because it's not just laying around everywhere. It's hard to come by. And so it's unbelievably prayer, which is why prayer is also hard because it's a very precious thing. But prayer is extremely prevalent and essential all through Scripture. It, it shows the reality of the world and why we need prayer. Abraham in Genesis, he prayed to God. Moses prayed. David prayed. Elijah prayed. Mary prayed. Naomi prayed. Jehoshaphat prayed when he didn't know what to do. In 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12, is, is the king. He, he prayed. He says, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All through Scripture, prayer is essential and prayer is prevalent, even though prayer is hard. All the saints of the Bible, they, they, they pray. The people of God prayed. But most importantly, Jesus prayed. Nobody prayed more powerfully, more passionately than Jesus. Hebrews 5, 7 says this about Jesus. In the days of his flesh, when Jesus was on earth, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard for his reverence. Jesus pleaded to the Father in prayer over and over again. He taught the disciples how to prayer, to pray. Basically, prayer is where you point your plea. And we all point our pleas somewhere. Some of you point your plea to yourself. You know, there's a problem. I'm going to fix the problem. So you plea to yourself, and you figure out how you get it done, and you're very capable of getting it done. Some people plead to their spouse that life's bad. They tell their spouse all about it, and they complain and pour out their pleas to their spouse, or they pour out their plea to social media and share it with the world, or they pour out their pleas to their children or through their employer or their employees or their neighbors, if you have a good neighbor that'll listen to you, or you know what, sometimes you just pour out your pleas to your dog or your cat. You have a bad day, you come home, you yell and kick the cat, or you kick the dog. You pour out your plea somewhere. All of us have a place somewhere where we pour out our pleas, which is what prayer is. It's the place where you point your plea. And as Christians and followers of Christ, we've been given an unbelievable gift in prayer where God says, Pour out your pleas to me. Pour out your hearts to me. Prayer is desperation. True prayer 
is a sense of desperation. I was at a conference at Moody Bible Institute a number of years ago. Pastor's conference, there's a guy from Uganda there who was a pastor, and there was this little revival session. And, and this pastor from Uganda, he got up and he, and he said, you know what, in Uganda years ago, he said they, they were, we were being traumatized by war and conflicts. And he said, but then the church got desperate in their prayer. And the church in Uganda started to gather and to pray with great desperation. And then he started to tell how things turned around. Desperation is an absolute part of prayer. In Luke 22, when Jesus is praying, in desperation, it says in Luke 22:44 that Jesus, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Jesus was absolutely desperate. Jesus, in agony, and he then prayed more earnestly. What's the place of prayer in your life? How essential is prayer in your life? No New Testament book emphasizes prayer probably greater in some ways than the book of Ephesians. There's all kinds of prayers through that. But as we look at this point where Paul says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplications with all saints, this morning we're just going to look at what is praying in the Spirit, what is Satan's desire for prayer, what's perseverance in prayer, and what is the possibility of prayer. What does it mean when he says, praying at all times in the Spirit? What is praying in the Spirit? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18 answers it for us. Ephesians 2, 18 says, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. If you, if you think of, and remember one thing I say this morning about prayer, remember the word access. As Christians, we have access to God. That's what prayer is. Many people talk about prayer. The world talks about prayer. You, you hear tragedies happen. Everybody says thoughts and prayers. Uh, thoughts and prayers. They, they talk about it in those ways, but only Christians, when it says what is praying in the Spirit, only a Christian can pray in the Spirit. Because only a Christian has the ability to really pray to the God, the creator of everything. And only Christians talk about prayer the way we talk about prayer, which is we're praying to God our Father. We talk, it's, a, it's in a relationship with God. That's how prayer is. It's taking your plea to the Father. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are not trusting in Jesus Christ alone, you may have thoughts and prayers, but that's not praying in the Spirit. The only way to pray in the Spirit is, first of all, to be a believer, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to, be, to have been given access to God, have your sins forgiven. Praying in the Spirit is what Christians do. We pray, and then we have this relationship 
with God where we have access. Hebrews 4, 14 says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Praying in the spirit, first of all, is, is what Christians do. It's for followers of Jesus Christ. They, you have access. We have this relationship with God the Father who says you can come anytime you want. You just, you just come. Praying in the Spirit is, is also praying, I would use the word confessed. Psalm 66, 18 and 19 says that God, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. When we pray as Christians and we have sin that we know is sin in our life, unconfessed, it it, it puts a block up. We need to pray in the Spirit as Christians with our sins confessed, being counseled by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is our comforter, He's our guide, He's our teacher, He's our helper. And he, it is also praying in the Spirit as, as a, is praying as a Christian with confessed sin, leaning on the Holy Spirit with just courage and prayer because Romans 8 says that sometimes we don't even know how to pray. We, 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 have, we are so struck with what's going on in our lives. We have, we're, we're dealing with so much difficulty and frustrations and trying to figure things out, but it's the Holy Spirit who helps us. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches the hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Praying in the Spirit is what a Christian does. It's to seek the Spirit's guidance, direction, and help constantly in prayer. We're supposed to pray all times in the Spirit. Samuel Chadwick said this, Satan's got a plan for prayer too. Satan dreads nothing but prayer. His one concern is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. Satan does not want Christians praying. He doesn't want people taking that access they have to God and using it. What's Satan's desire and strategy? What's his design for prayer? He wants us to, to stumble. That's the whole point of Ephesians. We're, we're in this war. We have these struggles spiritually, and we're called to stand and to keep alert. So Satan has a strategy. He's got schemes that he wants to knock Christians out. He wants to wipe your faith out. So he has a desire also for prayer. Satan's desire for prayer is, first of all, to discredit prayer. He does this with unbelievers. He he doesn't want them to believe that prayer actually works. It's all just chance. It's all just coincidence. It's like when governors of state who who say that we took care of COVID and had nothing to do with God or prayer. That's the view of the world. This is Satan's desire. He wants to just just, discredit prayer. He doesn't want people to believe it works. But for Christians, not only does he want us to discredit prayer, he, he wants to distract you 
from praying. He wants to keep you very busy, and he wants to keep you very bored with the idea of praying. That, that's his strategy. Keep you extremely busy so you think, I don't got time to slow down and ask God. I got so many other things I could get done. It's just a waste of time. Or, or what's the point? Nothing's happening here. It's just boring saying these words out loud or in my heart. He wants to distract you from praying. He wants to disrupt you when you pray. Have you ever tried to pray with somebody? Sit down, the phone's not rung at all, and all of a sudden you sit to pray, the phone rings, or somebody calls, or somebody walks into your room, or somebody needs you, or you sit down to pray, you're really passionate, oh, I've got access to God, and then you sit, start to pray, and you think of every possible thing that has to be done all these things that are on top of you, every concern. This is Satan's plan to distract you and to disrupt you when you pray. And Satan's plan is to discourage you in your praying. I think one of the things that has wiped out more believers and kept many people from coming to faith is hearing the concept we have this access to God where we can ask and he gives and then you pray and you live with unanswered prayer. I have family members who've abandoned faith because they prayed and God never answered their prayer. Unanswered prayer I think has knocked out and taken out more standing Christians. And it's caused them to stumble. And maybe it's caused you to stumble at, as well, this unanswered prayer. But you say, well, it's more like this stumble of, you know, it's this awkward stumble where you, you, you hit it and you just almost got your face down. You try to keep going forward, but after a while, you got to decide, am I going to stand or am I going to let it take me out? Unanswered prayer can, can, can just derail people. What, what is and how do we deal with unanswered prayer? Because I think it is one of Satan's greatest desires and strategies for Christians to knock them down and keep them from coming to the access that they have with God. First of all, we need to know that the answer no to a prayer is not an unanswered prayer. Sometimes we pray for things and the answer is no. But we keep praying for it because we didn't get what we want. And we say, well, God's not answering my prayer. It's not an unanswered prayer. It's an answered prayer. You just didn't like the answer that God gave you. We, we, we want to keep getting our way, and so then we can get angry and bitter at God. But, but sometimes unanswered prayer is because the answer was a no, and we have to accept the answer. Sometimes we do pray, though, unanswered prayer comes from sometimes even just a frivolous type of praying that, you know, I didn't study for my test, God, so help me pass it. Well, I didn't pass it. See, God doesn't give me everything that I ask for. Um, I, 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 I wanted that really nice thing. Now I got no money. And God, give me some money. But we did, it's frivolous type of praying. And sometimes we need to also remember that there is a great blessing in unanswered prayer. Amy Carmichael was a young girl, grew up in Europe, I think in Scotland, and she'd pray every day. She loved Jesus. She would say, God, I got brown eyes. 
I want blue eyes. All the pretty girls got blue eyes. God, give me blue eyes. And she would pray and pray and pray, and God never answered and changed her. She'd wake up and go look in the mirror. She still had brown eyes. She grew up to become a missionary to India. And part of her being a missionary to India, all these families, would, they would take these girls, because they weren't boys, and they would go and offer them to their idols, and they would kill them. And Amy Carmichael tried to figure out a way how she could rescue these kids. And the way she could rescue them was dressing up like an Indian woman, putting tea on her skin and making it dark, and being able to walk into the temple and taking these children out. Had Amy Carmichael gotten blue eyes, nobody would ever believed her. But because she had brown eyes, and God never answered her prayer, eventually he used her in unbelievable ways and rescued all kinds of people. There's all kinds of blessings of unanswered prayer. Many of you are happily married because God did not answer another prayer for somebody else that you wanted to marry. There's many blessings in unanswered prayer. We need to remember, well, what happens when we get these discouraging unanswered prayers? First of all, we need to remember, when we're praying, though, there are times it's just so confusing because the thing we're praying for is absolutely what we know is a right, just, good thing, and you're praying for it, and you're praying for it, and, and you still get diseases. Someone still dies. There's still frustrations. You still lose the job. Things change, but you've been praying and praying, and when God doesn't answer prayer, it can throw you off. So what, what do we need to do to help us when, with unanswered prayers to be praying at all times? First of all, if you're praying for something, it's been 10, 15, 20 years, and it's not been answered yet. Just remember. Remember the love of God for you. Remember how much God loves you. This is what Paul's prayer was in Ephesians, that they would know the love of God. You're praying, and God's not seeming to answer, and you're starting to waver, you got to pull back and you got to keep praying. You got to remember. Wait a second. God loves me. He's given me access. Reflect on the character of God. Remember who God is and what He has said. And then we just have to wait. There are over 30 some verses in Scripture where we are reminded to wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. That it's good to wait on the Lord. Then we trust in Him. Faith is trust and we walk by faith not by sight and in those moments we we we, we take advantage god we're, we're praying and god doesn't seem to be answering and satan wants to take you out so remember god loves you remember who god says he is reflect on that and wait and then trust him it's it's faith there's no simple answers some of you I've been praying for things that are right and good for years, and God has not answered them yet. And at home, on a Tuesday morning, on a drive to work, that thing comes up, and it rattles you, and it shakes you. What are you going to do with it? There's no easy answers to it but to keep praying. Philip Yancey said this about unanswered prayer. We must offer our prayers 
with a humility that conveys gratitude without triumphalism and compassion without manipulation, always respecting the mystery surrounding prayer. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. But Satan wants to use that unanswered prayer to take you out. As a Christian, don't, don't let it do it. We're called in Colossians 4.2 to continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. I think part of the watchfulness is recognizing that sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers when we want them or how we want them, and it takes a long time. So we got to wait. Satan's going to try to tell us that God's not for us and to discourage us with that. That's Satan's desires, to discredit prayer, distract you, disrupt you, and discourage you. But what does it mean then to persevere, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplications? Keep alert, which means stay awake with the attacks that Satan may come with it, with all perseverance. What's perseverance in prayer? Almost Four times that he says, all, 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 praying all times, all, all, all. What, what does that mean? We're all just supposed to sit around, sit here all day long and just pray, pray, pray. Obviously not. What he's talking about is just there's, it has to be, there should be a variety in our prayer. There should be private prayer. There should be public prayer. There should be praying in a group as a Christian. There should be praying out loud, praying in silence, praying short prayers, praying long prayers, praying, reading written prayers. This is the book of Psalms is it's a guide for us to pray. I mean, you can look at Nehemiah. He, he had very short, quick prayers and an instant need, and he had long prayers when he was, had time to sit and think and to pray. That, this should be the picture of your prayer life as a Christian. Persevere in all these prayers. You praying as a Christian should not be a seldom or a shocking thing. When people are thinking, I need some prayer, uh, who am I going to text? Your name should not be one they think, no, he wouldn't do it. No, no she wouldn't do it. She's, she's not going to do it. That, that shouldn't be the way it is with us as praying. We, we, our name shouldn't be skipped. You say, well, I can't pray very well. I'm not very eloquent with my prayer. God does not care one bit what you sound like when you pray. That, that is our human pride when we get together with people, and, we, and some people can't pray. I, I can't pray publicly out loud. I feel often, I'll get around some other pastors or older people, and they're like unbelievably eloquent. I get up to pray, and I'm like, oh my goodness, that, they, they, I'm not even supposed to be a professional in this. And they ask me to pray at everybody's events. God doesn't care one bit about your eloquence. He doesn't care one bit about how you sound. What God cares about is your earth excuse me, is your earnestly, earnestness in seeking after God. You, you should desire to pray privately. You should desire to pray publicly. And yes, if you can come on a Wednesday nights, gather with the church and pray as we can. It, it, there, that's what perseverance is. It, it's perseverance in our variety. It's just also perseverance in your vocabulary. We are called to pray at all times, which means you pray when you, as a Christian when you're happy, when you're sad, when you're angry, when you're mad, when you're acting like a sinner, or when you feel like you're acting like a saint. We're called to pray. Pray. You're in the middle of a struggle of temptation and sin. Pray. Pour out your emotions to God. Pray, pray, your, pray your fear. Pray your despair. Pray your, your, pray your confusion. Listen, risk 
being ruthlessly honest with God. The Psalms are filled with David being absolutely ruthlessly honest about God. He's saying, God, I don't, I don't like this situation. Pray your feelings, your happy, sad feelings. Take them to God. That's what it is, praying at all times. And then it says praying just with this variety, just with this vocabulary, and praying with this vision. Paul's prayer, after he says all this, he says, and then he says, practically, he says, with all supplication, making supplication for all the saints, and he says, and also for me. Pray that, he, that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth so I can proclaim the gospel boldly. He says, pray in that way. Pray for others. Pray for him, he even says. Pray for me. Make supplication. Make requests for all the saints. One of the things that helps reading, praying, and stoking the desires of prayer is reading good things about prayer. One of the most encouraging books I would encourage you to read is a book called The Praying Life by Paul Miller. It's practical, it's helpful, it's unbelievably encouraging when it comes to pray, but ultimately what we're called to do is just to pray. You say, I'm, I'm never going to read a book, Paul. I'm never going to pick that up. Uh, it's good. I appreciate it, but I'm just probably not going to pick it up. That, that's okay. The key thing is to pray. See yourself as just a little toddler coming to the Father who doesn't maybe know how to walk very well. And the dad says, come here, come here, come here. And the mom's holding the baby up and he's all this. And, and he just, he doesn't say no. He, he comes, he prays, he responds, he, he tries, he, he waddles out there and walks and he falls back down, they pick him back up. That's what praying is. It's God saying to you, come to me, come, just, just come, it's okay. You, you don't feel like you can do it that well, wobble along, come, just, just come to me. We learn by praying. I have never read a manual on how to use my iPhone, Never. And then I'll start using it, and all of a sudden I'll see somebody else who see, knows how to use it, and they'll show me something else. I'm like, oh. So I add that to my repertoire. That, that's how you grow and pray. You pray with other people. You hear other people pray. And you're like, oh, that's good. Uh, you read some scripture. Oh, I should add that to my pray. This is how we pray. This is what we're called to do. It's just called to pray with perseverance. Pray like this. Just come to God. Praying is not just Praying for praying's sake. When you pray, it's coming to God. It's going to access to God. Come to God. Confess sin so that you know he's going to hear you. And just call at all times, any time, any time of the day, any of your experiences, pray. Just continue in it and then keep looking for God, to see how God's going to answer. You pray, you ask, but don't forget to look to see how God's working in those situations. Keep looking to see how he's going to work out those request. That's perseverance and praying. It's just praying. It's coming to a father who says, you have total access to me at any time. I don't care how mad you are, how sad you are, how wrong you feel, how right you feel. I just want you to come and pray. What's the possibilities of prayer? It says, Praying at all times in the spirit with all supplications to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all prayer. The possibility of prayer is that prayer is just this privilege. 
We have a God who's able. He's a God who's able to do abundantly above all that we ask or think. We have a God who says nothing is impossible with God. We have a God who says, I- I'm not like an earthly father. If an earthly father, if he if a good father on earth, a child asks for a stone, is he going to give him a serpent? No. So if a good father on earth isn't going to give his child a serpent, when he asks for something, I am better than a good father, God says, and I will give you even more than that. We, we have this God who is able to do unbelievable possibilities through faith, through prayer. He's able, he's available, and he just says to ask. And ask and ask and ask. Again, the two times Jesus talks about prayer in Luke chapter 11 and Luke chapter 18, both of them is this picture of somebody who just won't stop asking. They just keep coming. They just keep coming. They keep asking, I need help. And they annoy somebody in the stories. And this is what God says. Just keep asking. Come in that way. Because what God can do is unbelievably powerful. A couple weeks ago, we had a teacher in our church ask for some prayer for one of the students who was struggling, and we prayed. It doesn't always work this way, but the next day, got this text that said, we prayed, you all prayed, this morning was the best day in two weeks with the student. He got more done in this last two two hours, and he's done in two weeks. So that's just coincidence. No, it's God who answers prayer. It's a God who is able. This is what we're called to do. The possibility of prayer is knowing that God is able. He wants to hear from us. And it's the God who says in Ephesians 3.20 that Paul, in his prayer, said, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God is able. And he says, take this armor. Stand. Be alert. Pray while you stand. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. One of the most honest prayers that you could pray, even this morning, is help. Help. Probably the most honest prayer. You don't know what to pray. You know what your situation is. You're struggling. Just pray. Ask God for help. Because he is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. And it's through praying and through the armor of God that we stand.
Nothing can stand against the 